Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. And as I always say on Friday, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I love Sunday because that is my opportunity to spend some time with God's people. And man, I love just to go to church. And you know, I love church so much. I love to go there when there's nobody at the church just to walk around the building and just to pray. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we ought to pray not only for people, but we ought to pray for the events where people gather. And so every Saturday night, if I don't do it in person, I, I make it a point uh, to pray. And a lot of times I like to go up to our worship center and just kind of walk up and down every aisle and uh, walk up and behind every chair. And, uh, and I just pray. I said, Lord, I don't know who's going to be sitting in this chair, uh, but I want to pray for them as they meet tomorrow. And I just pray that we can be a blessing to them, be an encouragement to them, really lift up their spirits. Sometimes you go to church and and you're discouraged, right? Hey, can I tell you something? Sometimes I go to church and I'm discouraged. Uh, there's some Sunday mornings where I said, man, I just soon stay home today. And uh, and I make myself get up. Now, I know I have to be to church, you know. Uh, I always get around with our leaders. And I says, you know, as leaders uh, in the church, we're paid to be good, right? But uh, I said, you guys are, are good for nothing. And, uh, and I was just getting around with them that uh, they're good because God has made them good. And so come and worship with us on Sunday, 9 o'clock or 10.30, okay? Today I want to talk to you about a subject that it seems like we don't talk a whole lot about this subject anymore, and that subject is honor. Honor. You know, honor is showing esteem for one deserving of respect, attention, or obedience, and the supreme level of honor is reserved for God and God alone. As a matter of fact, David said this, he says, of God, that you are enthroned as the Holy One, you are the one that Israel praises, and you know, we think about honor, it's respecting those who are in leadership because of the higher authority that they represent. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about honor. You know, when the Bible talks about honor, it's usually used as a noun. And it's not just something that you do, it's something that you are. It means to esteem or to value or to show great respect. To honor somebody is to value him highly or bestow honor upon him. And And we're exhorted throughout Scripture to esteem certain people, like our parents and the aged and those who are in authority over us, we are to honor them. Now, this is given as a command, right? Even though some people we may feel are not honorable. And I remember several years ago, I was doing a Mother's Day service, and and at the end of the service, the lady came to me and says, well, I can't honor my mom. She was a terrible mom, and she abandoned us, and and uh, and she had a lot of issues with addiction, and she abused her kids, and she didn't provide for her kids. And uh, and so this woman says, I, I, I'm not going to honor my mom. And I says, you know, the Bible doesn't say just to honor the good moms or the good dads. Uh, we're to honor them because of their position where God has placed them. Uh, We don't necessarily have to honor the fact that they did a great job or didn't do a great job. Uh, We're to express that esteem for them because God has placed them over us. And so today I want to talk about this whole subject of honor. Uh, Now, Peter put it very succinctly. That is a command, 1 Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Now, as we think about this, there's a whole lot that is involved in this. So honor versus disrespect. Okay, respecting those in leadership because of that higher authority that they represent. I was uh, doing some research on this whole honor thing. So I found an interesting uh, story. 
And uh, this story, I think, will be a blessing to you today. And it's about a story that uh, of a man that was honored because of his service to our nation. And uh, this particular man, William Carney, received the uh, Congressional Medal of Honor. Now, you think about this Medal of Honor. This is the highest uh, honor that a person of the United States can receive. And to date, there has been uh, 3,511 recipients of the Congressional Medal of Honor. And the standards to meet the Medal of Honor have evolved over time, but the medal has always stood for actions that go above and beyond the call of duty. And so the current criteria was established in 1963 during the Vietnam War. Uh, as we look at the criteria, and the medal is authorized for anybody who is in military service who distinguishes himself by gallantry, and, and he puts his life at the risk uh, of losing his life, going above and beyond the call of duty. And this is when he's engaged or she's engaged in an action against an enemy of the United States uh, while they're engaged in military operations that involve conflict of opposing foreign forces. And so we look at this uh, particular young man uh, who received this Congressional Medal of Honor. William Carney, born in 1840, died in 1908, and it says that he enlisted in the 54th Massachusetts Colored Infantry in February of 1863, and he displayed his heroic honor on the battlefield, and he ended earning the Medal of Honor. He was the first black soldier to receive this prestigious reward. It was a respect that he gave to the American flag. He refused to allow that American flag to fall onto the ground. And uh, as we look at this particular man, it's amazing that he would put himself in this situation. And I want you to know that God expects us to honor those who make a great sacrifice. Somebody said this, respect your boss and revere him. You may not like what he does, but God has put him over you. George Peel said, honor is that spur that pricks the peacely mind. It should be on the job. It should be in our places of work. When we honor somebody, it shows that respect that we have for them. I want to look at an animal today to help us understand the significance of honor. The bison. The bison is a Native American animal that had a whole lot of uses. When they looked at a bison, they saw more than its tough hide. They saw warm blankets. They saw teepee coverings. They saw clothing. The Native Americans showed respect for the bison by looking beyond the immediate to see its life-sustaining properties. As a matter of fact, they would use every part of the bison. Part of it would be used for shields. Part of it would be used for teepee coverings. Part of it would be used for glue and clothing and even different tools and different fuel. You see, they respected the the bison, realizing that the bison was part of helping them to survive. And so when you think about how we went across in selling the West, the bison almost became extinct because we were killing the bison and we were just letting it rot on the side of the West. And as a result, we lost that respect for this animal. Now, if we have this kind of level of respect for an animal, we should, okay? You know, during the 1700s, approximately 60 billion bison 
inhabited North America by 1885 with the Western expansion. However, there was, we would get down to about a thousand bison. Ranchers who respected the bison and understood the benefits of the bison began to replenish those herds. And today we have over 200,000 bison. But I want you to think about how this all fits together. Respecting others and having, honoring those who God has placed over us. If you are disrespecting somebody that's over you, you're only hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself, and that person is designed to be in that place to help to protect you. So God puts these things in line so that we can learn how to be respectful and honor those who are placed in authority over us. So I want to spend some time looking at some verses that talk about respect. In 1 Timothy 1.17, it says, and Timothy is receiving this instruction from Paul. He says, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So one of the ways that we know that we were respecting God is we show him honor and glory forever and ever. We do it by also showing honor to those that God has placed in authority over us. Now, let's look at an Old Testament passage that deals with this issue. Deuteronomy 5.16, Moses is writing, uh, this is very early in human history, and he says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So Moses says, okay, honor your father and your mother. There's two things that happen when you show honor to your father and your mother. Your days are going to be living longer, and your days are going to go better. Longer life and a better life. All because you're honoring your father and your mother, which is a reflection of the honor that we have for God. Now, one of the reasons that we can see that our culture is dishonoring God is by the fact that we are dishonoring our father and our mother. As a matter of fact, we are two or three generations now into this whole matter of dishonoring God, and it's displayed by dishonoring father and mother. There's another area that we see it also where it is a major problem in our culture today in the matter of marriage. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral, and the adulteress. So here we learn that marriage should be honored. How do we show honor for our marriage, honor for our spouse, is that we keep the marriage bed undefiled. We keep it pure. We don't let another person into that marriage bed. We don't allow things that are impure into that relationship. God will judge the sexually immoral. So we see the issue of honoring father and mother honoring marriage, but there's also honor that should be given to our government. Now, sometimes we look at this and we say, well, how should I honor a government that I don't agree with? This is a touchy subject. I get that. But Paul gives us some good instruction in Romans chapter 13. Let's pick it up in verse number one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, here Paul is in a situation where he's under a very oppressive government. The government of Rome was not a government that was really supportive of Christian values. But Paul says, be subject to those governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, 
and those that exist have been instituted by God. So Paul is reminding us to honor government because God has placed government over us. Then he says, whoever resists the authorities resists the God that has appointed them, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not to be a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Who would have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of consciousness. Now, there's a lot here in these seven verses. Paul talks about the governing authorities, those who are placed over us. He is saying that as we put ourselves in submission to the government, it is a picture of the fact that we're in submission to God because God has placed those people in authority over us. You say, well, is it ever right to go against government mandates? And I say, yes, only when those mandates cause us to go against God's declared will for our lives, God's declared word, or even matters of consciousness. When we think about not meeting for worship, for example, we're commanded to meet for worship. So we gather together to worship. We sometimes have to break a violation of the government to worship. Now, there's ways that we can do it, right? That is wise, that is safe, that is healthy, but we're going to meet. And in that case, we go above that, that institution because there's a higher institution. Now, when we think about rules that have been given, he says, we don't have to fear the one who is authority over us if we're doing what is right. If in our heart we are right, then we are able to do what God has led us to do. Paul continues on. He says that when we're in subjection to the government, we're not only avoiding God's wrath, but it also eases our conscience. So when Peter was told not to preach, Acts chapter 20, he says we ought to obey God rather than man. We are to obey government. That's why we pay our taxes. That's why we do what the government tells us to do. Unless it goes contrary to God's word, and unless it goes contrary to the conscience that God gives us. So we've got to be convinced that it's God telling us to do something or not to do something. Now, to help us with this, uh, because this is a difficult uh, thing to kind of navigate, knowing exactly where to draw this line, I I think to show honor is something that should happen regardless of how we are proceeding. So honoring God means that I'm bringing my best sacrifice to Him. I'm giving my best to Him. Honor means bringing my best sacrifice. So we're going to look at the Old Testament passage, and we're going, to, we're going to look at how we can best honor God. And I'm going to look at the book of Malachi. Now, the book of Malachi is structured in such a way that it deals with how God's people honor God. It's a fascinating book as we look at the book of Malachi. And in this particular book, we see that God has worked some things through trying to teach his people how to honor him. So let's look at the historical background, first of all. 
about 100 years before Malachi arrives on the scene, about 539 BC, there's a Persian king, and his name is Cyrus. And Cyrus decides to let God's people go from exile. You know, they've been slaves in Babylon for 70 years. And so he lets them return to their homeland of Israel. They go back and they find that the walls of the city have been demolished. They find that their temple is in ruins. But that's okay because they have lots of enthusiasm and they have big dreams. So God sends them a couple of pastors, a couple of preachers, and they get all revved up. And and these two guys by the name of Haggai and and Zechariah, they come in and, and they build the temple. They rebuild the temple. Now the people anticipate this great era where Israel is about to begin its reign again. God is going to bless them, and they're going to enjoy prosperity, and good times are going to come, and and none of them are expecting bad things, but Jerusalem is still lacking. In fact, they don't have walls around the city, and and so they're lacking not only that, but they're also going through a difficult time in that their their crops are failing, and and, and the people are, are getting bored with this new temple. And so God lets this drag out for 50 or 60 years. And he decides to send some more preachers, right, to rev them up again. So now we're, we're, we're jumping ahead 60 years and, and we're under the ministry of Ezra. And the time frame is about 445 BC. And, and then God sends another guy by the name of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah sends out with his mission to build the walls around the city. And, and again, things are picking up and, and momentum is building, but Nehemiah decides that, that he needs to take a little break and, and he takes just a little break and, and, and he decides that as, uh, as soon as he takes his break, momentum is killed and, and things come to a grinding halt. In 433 BC, once again, God sends another spokesman. Now, now Nehemiah did a great job. He got the walls built around the city and, and they're protected. Uh, but all of a sudden we discover that the nation becomes kind of complacent once again, and God has to rev the people up again. And so God sends Malachi this time. Malachi comes on the scene and he's preaching, and he's preaching that God loves you and, and he loves you so much that he desires your best response from you. And, and the people respond with a yawn, a ho hum, and the people are, are not really one way or the other. They're just kind of complacent. And so the book of Malachi, if we had the time, we'd go through the seven cycles of, of what God argues for the people in the book of Malachi. And, and then in Malachi 1, 6, he says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor that is due me? And if I'm a master, where is the respect that is due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. Is it that you don't respect me? You show contempt to my name? And as we look at chapter number one, we go through and we discover that, that they were not honoring God with their first fruits. And, you know, the word honor again means to give somebody something to treat them as the supreme importance of your life. That command, honor your father and your mother. He's not just saying obey them. He's saying respect them and, and, and treat them with honor that is due to them. So honoring God means bringing our best sacrifice to him, bringing not your defiled food to the altar, not the leftovers, not the broken down and the broken, and uh, no, give your best. We discovered that the nation of Israel was not giving their best, and 
You get down to verse number 13, it says, when you bring your injured and your crippled or your diseased animals and you offer them as a sacrifice, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. You see, the Old Testament law required God's people to offer a sacrifice from their flocks and from their herds. They were to offer the best, not the worst. You see, when we look at our lives, we no longer live under the rule of having to bring animal sacrifices, but God does require us to bring our best to Him. You see, a a tainted sacrifice in, in our day and age may be when we spend an hour of our evening watching TV or watching and reading from cover to cover People Magazine or USA Today or some other magazine, but yet only spending five minutes with the Lord before we fall asleep. Or in our culture, we could say attempted sacrifices when we bring to our careers our very best energy, all of our talent and our best motivation. But when it comes to serving the body of Christ, all of a sudden we sit on the sidelines or we look for something else to do and and we have the leftover energy given to serving the Lord or Or in our culture, we could say a a tainted sacrifice would be when we spend a lot of money on ourselves for a wonderful summer vacation. But when it comes to giving God an offering, we look at the budget and we say, well, what's left over? Let me see what I can find to give to the Lord. Maybe a, a tainted sacrifice would be watching Tiger Woods sink a 20-foot putt and we leap for joy off the sofa, or or our favorite team has just won the Super Bowl, and we jump off the sofa in jubilation. But in worship, we just kind of sit back with a whole hum spirit. Tainted worship, uh, a sacrifice in our day could be that we love our kids so much, there is nothing that we wouldn't give to them. But if we're honest, our heart doesn't beat that fast for Almighty God. You see, God says, don't bring me your second best. Bring me, not the leftovers, bring me the best. You know, when I arrive at church early on Sunday morning, uh, the parking lot is often empty. Maybe one or two cars are there. And I think about all that's going to be about to happen. And I spend a lot of time getting my, my mind ready for the worship. And, and I think about what Malachi must have went through. One Bible scholar who has written a commentary on Malachi asked us to imagine writing this letter to the IRS. Dear sirs, please accept this sick cow in lieu of the taxes that I owe. I trust that the old bag recovers and will prove more useful to you than he has been to me. Frankly, I just can't spare anything at this time. The writer asked a question. How is that going to sit with the IRS? You know, as a homeowner, when I get my real estate tax bill once a year, I take a big gulp and I think, it is expensive to live in this community. But if I objected to the the local tax man, I would probably be told, these taxes pay for the roadways and for the library and for the police and for the fire protection and for the good schools and the parks and so on, and it's worth it. That is what God is trying to say through Malachi. It's worth it. I'm going to be paying taxes to the governor, and it's worth it. How much more should I be honoring God by paying my due to him? 
You see, honoring God also means giving him the best of my reverence. Not only the best of my income and the best of my time, but also the best of my reverence. In verse number 11, it says, My name will be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, in every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nation, says the Lord. You know, as you think about giving your best to the Lord, maybe the reason that you can't give your best to the Lord is because you don't have a relationship with Him. Maybe today is the day that you need to begin that relationship with Him. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. You will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I want to close our broadcast off with a word of prayer today. So Lord, we come before you today. We thank you for the opportunity to know you better. We thank you for the opportunity to honor you. And so we pray that we will honor you with all parts of our lives. Forgive us for giving you second best. We want to give you our best. Lord, I pray for the one that is listening to me today who just became a follower of Christ. I pray that you protect them. I pray that they grow in their faith. I pray they get into a good church where they can grow in their faith. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. If I can help you in any way, please give me a call at 757-421-7500. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.